Good to see you this morning. I uh, forgot my hearing aids this morning. Again, Joni wasn't there to talk to me. So I had no reason to put them in until I got here. So if I ask you a question, answer loudly so that I can hear you. had a great trip this week. I did eight states in seven days and a lot of traveling. I got to ride my bike on some beautiful country up in North Carolina and Tennessee and Tail of the Dragon. This, this road is... 11 miles long with 318 curves and no intersecting roads. And so needless to say, there are motorcycle parts and car parts hanging in trees, you know, on the curves where people took it a little too fast. But we did it, got through it, had a great time. Take your Bible this morning to to Hebrews chapter 4. We touched on this verse before, but we're going to come back on it and look at it a little bit more. This morning, Hebrews chapter 4, beginning in verse 14. All right, now follow with me. If you don't have a Bible, get one. Look it up on your phone. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Hebrews is an awesome book that talks about the reality of what took place in heaven as the symbolism was taking place on earth. That Jesus entered the Holy of Holies as the Lamb of God to pay the price that the lamb on the earth was representing. It's a wonderful book if you just be slow, go slow through reading it. Therefore, he says in verse 14, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, we've been talking about the uh, courtyard, the holy of holies, the holy place and the holy of holies, representing the body, the soul, and the spirit. We've talked about stilling our body, quieting our soul, and receiving in our spirit. I want us to look at that part a little bit more about receiving. He says, therefore, since we have... Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He's telling us what we do whenever we enter the Holy of Holies. Okay, We have this, this idea that we're trying to be passive. The truth of the matter is we're not passive at all when we're in that arena. We are aggressive. We're not passive. Because we're rejecting so many things that have captured our attention, we think we're being trying to be passive. But that's not the case. We're trying to be aggressive in doing something here. And notice what he says, that we may receive mercy and grace to help in time of need. Okay? In time of need. Now, how many of you needed something this week? Now, let me just clarify that. God is not Santa Claus. And he's not in this little room in his red suit and his long beard waiting on us to come tell him what we want and then move heaven and earth to give us what he wants. 
God is not the least bit interested in what we want. He's not interested in fulfilling it. He is interested in what we need. And it's not just our assessment of what we need. The basis for the need in our heart that he describes here was what we talked about here, that we, what do we need in order to glorify the name above all names? What do we need to be an expression of Christ? What do I need to reveal Christ's glory? What do I need to reveal who Christ is instead of simply revealing who I am? Now put that in context and ask yourself, what did I need this week in order to express God's character, God's nature, God's goodness, God's graciousness? Did you need kindness? Did you need patience? Did you need graciousness? Did you need unconditional love? Did you need peace? Did you need peace? Did you need calm? It was there. It's there in the Holy of Holies. And he said he has made a way for us to enter that, that we might receive what's there, that we can be an expression of God's glory in the earth, in the universe, where he has placed us, in our world, in our environment. And he purposed for us, whenever we're in our world, is to be an expression of his glory, to glorify the one whose name is above all names. That's what we're there for, is to reveal that. And he provides what we need to do that. He never puts us in a position. Everybody says, God will never ask you to do something you can't do. That's bull. In fact, that's the purpose. God always asks us to do things we can't do so that we will depend on him in order to do them. He's not looking for us to be independent and self-sufficient. He's looking for us to be connected with him and dependent on him. And so whenever he says, I want you to be an expression of my glory, he knows we can't do that. But he provides everything we need in order to do that. And it is found in his presence in the Holy of Holies. But if we don't know how to get there, if we don't know how to live there, if we don't know how to respond there, we're not, not, we're not going to know how to receive what we need in order to do that. All right? And here's what he says we're to do whenever we get into the Holy of Holies. Assuming you have needs. Now, if you're the kind of person that thinks, I don't need nothing, let me explain something to you. You are severely deceived. Okay? You need a lot. As a matter of fact, you need it more than me. No, no. If you're in, a, if you're in the mindset that you don't need anything, you can do everything, you are deceived. You need grace and mercy. And you can't earn those, work for those, deserve those, generate those on your own. They are there in the presence of God to be received in order that it will meet the need of being an expression of God's glory. I can't do that on my own. I can't do that on my own ability. And so he says, what I do whenever I enter that place, I'm not passive, I'm not indifferent, I am aggressively there to receive. Okay? I am there to receive what God has for me in order that I might be equipped to be an expression of his glory. Notice what he says, that we might receive 
mercy and grace to help in time of need. Now, we mentioned this, I think, last time I shared. We go to a great extent sometime of defining mercy and need. Mercy is what you uh, didn't get when you needed it. Grace is what you did get when you, well, that's fine. But let me just put it this way. Mercy and grace is anything you get from God. Whatever you get from God, you don't earn it. You don't work for it. You don't deserve it. It's mercy and grace. Kindness is grace. Gentleness is grace. Graciousness is grace. Love is grace. All of that, everything we receive from the Lord is grace and mercy, and it's there to equip us for our time of need to express his glory. Now, I want to define a couple of words. Let's look at the word receive. The word receive means to accept as authoritative, true, or accurate. To accept as authoritative, true, or accurate. Now, everything that's found in the presence of God is authoritative, true, and accurate. It's authoritative in that if it comes from the presence of God, it's the final word. There's no more discussion. It's it. It's the absolute authority for my life is what comes from God's presence. It's true. It's always right. It's always righteous. It's always accurate. So receive means that I accept it as such. I accept these things from the Lord as such. It is the final word. Another part of the definition is to assimilate as into a mindset or life. We'll look at this later. Even if it is contrary, this is where the crush comes in. Anything that I receive from the Lord is authoritative, it's true, and it's accurate. Even when it is in contrast to what I feel or what I think, or what I believe, or how I practice. God's perspective, God's word, is the final authority in my life. Whether I feel it, think it, accept it, receive it, or not, it's still the final authority. That's it. Now, let's look at the word assimilate. Here you go using them big words. Well, I got, I got a dictionary, okay? Let me read for you what assimilate means. Assimilate means to take in and utilize as nourishment. All right? To make similar, to absorb into the system, to take into the mind and thoroughly understand. All right? Now, let me give you a picture of assimilate. I need a volunteer, Adam. Come help me, buddy. He looked too comfortable back there. Now, I know I broke the rule by doing this, but forgiveness is easier to get than permission. I brought a donut into the auditorium. What I would like for you to do, Adam, is I would like for you to assimilate that donut. You assimilate it. I want you to assimilate it. All right? Now, he's already started the process of assimilate. How? No. He received it. He accepted it. It's authoritative. It's accurate. It's true. It's a donut. It ain't cauliflower. It ain't broccoli. It ain't Brussels sprouts. It's a donut. Okay? So now he's 
willing to receive it, all right? But now we want that. Now, now we're going to play a game here, okay? We're going to play like this is broccoli because this has got no nourishment in it. So we're going to play like it's broccoli, okay? So in order for it to affect his body, in order for the nutrition that's in this broccoli to have an effect in his body, he must do more than just accept it. So I want you to assimilate it. Come on. All right, good. Now then, what's the next thing he's doing as he's assimilating this? He's chewing it. It would be hard to assimilate it, swallowing it whole. He's chewing it. Second of all, he's only chewing a part of it. You can't absorb all of God. You absorb the part that he reveals, and you take it and you chew on it. Now, here's something happened. There's something happening in his body right now. His stomach is going, all right, man, we're getting a donut down here. His esophagus is going, that's going to feel so good going down. His mouth is salivating, salivating. His teeth are going, oh, this is good stuff. He is receiving. He is assimilating it. He is taking it into his body. God's perspective cannot, God's word will not bring nourishment to our body unless we assimilate it, unless we chew on it unless we receive it, unless we take it in. Just like food doesn't bring nourishment or strength to our body simply because we, that's true, that's a donut. Yes, it is. And let me tell you about donuts. Donuts, you have to have flour, and you have to have oil, and you have to have sugar, and you have to have the glaze. It doesn't do me any good to understand the constituency of that, the consistency of that donut. Doesn't do my body a bit of good. And yet that's the posture we take with God's Word. So much of God's Word is taken in as knowledge, and it's not taken in as nourishment. Because we simply, yes, that's right. Let me study the Greek of that. Let me look at the back. Let me look at all of that. But it's never assimilated into our body. Receive means to assimilate. It means when I go into the presence of God and God reveals something and gives me something, I don't just write that down, and that's good to write down. I don't just memorize that. It's good to memorize that. But what I do is I take what he reveals to me, I chew on it, and I allow that nourishment to begin to infiltrate my soul, my body. That's assimilation. That's part of receiving, all right? You can keep the donut. Thank you. All right? Food only brings nourishment to my body as I assimilate it into my body. The things that are found in God's presence will only bring nourishment to my soul as they are assimilated into my life. That is to receive. There are a lot of things in Scripture that we take in as knowledge that we never assimilate and doesn't bring any nourishment any strength to our body. Okay, so we enter into God's presence to receive grace and mercy in time of need. What is there to receive in God's presence? There's a lot of things. What is there to receive in his presence 
that can absolutely change my life. All right? Here's one of those things. Here's one of what I want to encourage you to do as you enter into his presence. I want you to receive his presence. He's here. How about you being here? He's here. How about me receiving that he is here, accepting that he's here? How about I acknowledge that he is here by thanking him for being here? God, I thank you that you're here. I thank you that you live inside of me. I thank you that you care about me. I thank you that you're interested in me. In spite of my emotions, I don't feel like you're here. I feel like you're far away. He is here. Which am I going to accept as authoritative? If I accept that he's far away as the authority in my life, my life will be afraid, anxious, fearful, worried. If I accept the reality, the truth, the authority in my life that he is here, it brings another result into my life. But I don't feel that he's here. Remember I told you when we first started all of this that in order to walk by faith, you're going to have to learn to walk by the unseen and the unfelt. Just because you don't feel God is here does not mean God is here. He's not here. Just because you don't feel like he's here doesn't mean he's not here. Which am I going to receive as authority in my life? What I feel or what God's word says or what he says to me? In spite of my emotions, in spite of my thoughts, in spite of this belief that I have, in spite of my circumstance. God, I look at this circumstance and I think, you're not here. You have vacated the premises and left the building. He's still here. He's still here. I want to tell you, when you woke up Wednesday morning and things didn't turn out the way you wanted, he's still here. He's still here. If all this doesn't matter how any of this shakes out, he is still here. He is still God. He is in control. Now, you would think that would go without saying as much as we've talked about it. But many still believe and live like he's absent. He's not here. And that there are hoops that we have to jump through to get him here. This is not a small thing, folks. This is not a little thing. Because we fall into that trap of still believing, I've got to perform to get him here instead of receiving that he is here. He's here presently. Several scriptures that will help us remind us of that reality. Caleb, you got your Bible? Oh, man, what's the matter with you? Let's shame Caleb this morning. <laughs> Tim, I want you to look up this verse. Psalms 139, 7 through 11. Alex, I want you to look up this verse. John 14, 16 through 20. Craig, I'd like for you to look up Matthew 28, 18 through 20. All right? Psalms 139, 7 through 11. Can you stand up and read that real loud?
All right? That is an awesome verse. It says, wherever you go, God's there. Okay? Now watch. That can be, bring a great deal of comfort to me if it's more than knowledge. If I have allowed God to assimilate that into my life, it's a good reminder. And it will bring comfort. It will bring peace. It will bring reassurance. But if I've just seen that as knowledge, then it's going to be up to my exercising my brain to try to get it in here. And, and that will never work. But if I have allowed that to assimilate into my heart, I've gone to the Father, particularly over that verse, and I've just meditated over it. I've chewed on that verse. Lord, what does it mean? Where can I go from your presence? If I go to the grave, you're there. What does that mean? How does that look in my life? That's how we assimilate God's word into our life. That's how we begin to assimilate God's word in our life is we chew on it, all right? Uh, John 14, Alex. All right. Jesus says, I'm going to ask the Father. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. Jesus said, I'm going to pray. Here's what I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that God will send you an advocate, a comforter. All right. Did God answer Jesus' prayer? Well, yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. He gave us a comforter. And he says he's not just going to be with you, he's going to be in you. Did he? Those verses, those reminders can bring a great deal of comfort if I've allowed God to assimilate that in my heart. And I chewed on that, and I meditated on that, and I asked the Lord to show me, how is that relevant to me when I have these thoughts? God's not here. God's abandoned me. I've blown it now. He's checked out. I, where, where are you at? If I've allowed God to make that real into my heart, that can be a reminder. Craig, how about another one? All right. Now, see, we take part of that. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptize them in the fire. But what about that other part? Now, he's about to leave physically, and he says, I'm going to be with you always. Is he? Well, if all we've done is focused on a part of that and not allowed God to assimilate into our heart that awareness that he is here, we chew on these, allowing God to assimilate it into my life. Now, how do I know when what I receive from God is being assimilated into my life, particularly Receiving his presence. How do I know when I am receiving his presence and in receiving that presence, it is being assimilated into my life? Here's some things. When it becomes nourishment and not just knowledge. When I look at that verse and I say, boy, I remember God speaking this to me. I begin meditating on this, and he's making that, he's beginning to make that real to me. When I know he's begun to make that real to me, and not just, oh, there's this verse somewhere, and we get in a fix, and let's look up our favorite verse, and it's been our favorite verse for 40 years. If your favorite, if you got the same favorite verse for 40 years, you need a new verse. I mean, all the verses are good. What about the one that God assimilates into our life? How can I know it's being assimilated? I can know it's being assimilated into my life when it becomes strength to me and I don't have to work it up. 
I just go back and he reminds me of that and he speaks that to my heart and I receive that. And now I'm no longer fearful. Now I'm no longer anxious. Now, I may have to do that 20 times a day. But let me ask you this. Where else are you going to go? The stuff we're telling ourselves ain't bringing peace. This news isn't going to bring us peace. The election ain't going to bring us peace. Nothing is going to bring us peace except God's perspective. And so I go to that when it's strength to me, when I draw strength from that. Here's another one. When it becomes joy to me. Joy. When I become joyful, I look at that verse, boy, that's so cool. God's my strength and my shield and my salvation. Yes, I like that. That's good stuff. When joy rises up in my heart, I know it's being assimilated. Here's another one. When I am aware of his presence in everything I do, and when I ask myself this question, do I really want to do this in his presence? Huh? See, we, we think God doesn't watch. And if he's watching, he's got this big old hammer. And I can do it and God will never notice. Do I really want to do this in his presence? Do I really want to say this in front of him? Listen, just because you wrote it on Facebook doesn't mean there's not accountability. You can't hide. Do I want to, do I really want to say this when God is right here? Do I really want to treat this person the way I'm considering treating them when God's right here and he's wanting to love them, accept them? Do I really want to participate in this activity in God's presence? Do I really want to grieve his spirit? Do I really want to quench his spirit with what I'm about to do? When I begin to come aware of his presence in all aspects of my life, I can know he is being assimilated. His presence is being assimilated. I am receiving his presence. He's not just something we come to enjoy in a worship service and leave it until next week. He is presence. And let me explain something to you. You may not have invited him, but he's still there. You may not be happy about him being there, but he's still there. I will be with you forever. Nothing you can do to keep me from being there. Nothing you can do to stop. You can't hurt my feelings and make me leave. He is present everywhere we go because as a child of God, he lives in us. Let me answer your question from another perspective. Why did God have to sacrifice his son? Why his son? Well, there's a law of nature that says you reap what you sow. The father 
sowed a son in order that he might have sons. The seed had to fall in the ground and die or else it would have abided alone. But when he died, it brought forth sons, which was the father's heart all along. Receive his presence. Confess his presence in every area. I got an idea. Let's do that right now. Okay? Let's do that right now. Let's just stop and take a minute and just first just thank him for being here. Just thank him for being here. And then thank him for being in those situations in your life that you're confronted with. Let's take a couple of minutes and do that, okay? You just do it on your own. His presence, because he lives in the Holy of Holies, which lives in me. Wherever I go, the Holy of Holies is there. He's here, and I can receive him in that and allow it to be assimilated in my mind. Well, there's something else we can receive. Just going to do two. Something else we can receive. We can receive his perspective. Okay? We receive his perspective. I walk into his presence. I have a need. I'm going to tell you what will satisfy that need. You ready? There's only one thing in the universe that will satisfy that need, and that is God's perspective. You can think and figure and connive and work it up and figure it out and meditate. You know, and all the things we do and uh, curse it, nurse it, rehearse it, and all of those kind of things. But there's not but one thing that will bring nourishment to my soul except God's perspective. In order to do this, in order to receive his perspective, I must be willing to entertain the possibility that the perspective I hold is not the only one there is. I'm never going to entertain it. God's got another perspective when I have the only perspective there is. My goal in life is to convince everyone that I have the only perspective. And it is not only the only one there is, but that the one I have may be wrong. If I think I've got the only perspective it is, and my perspective is right, I'm not going to be the least bit interested in God's perspective. I have my perspective. I have my belief. I have my view. I have my analysis of life. And it's the only one there is. And woe be to you if you take another one. And so if I have that posture toward you, guess what posture I'm going to have toward God? No, God, if you'll just hang on, I'll fill you in. And actually, much of our praying is filling God in on our perspective. Telling him how it is and how the cow ate the cabbage and what's wrong with this person and why this circumstance is wrong and why you need to do something about it. But if I am convinced that I have the only perspective and I am convinced that there's no remote possibility that my perspective is wrong, I would never believe anything that's wrong. 
right? I, I would never believe. I may believe something wrong. If I take that posture, I'll never receive another perspective. Okay? Tom, would you read Proverbs 14, 12? Find Proverbs 14, 12. Cindy, would you find Proverbs 16, 25? Proverbs 14, 12 and 16, 25. All right, Tom, would you stand up and read it so everybody can hear you, especially me? All right, there is a way that seems right. My way seems right. But my way might lead to death. There is a way which seems right to a man, but the end of that way And we don't ever look at the end of the way. We just look at the immediate of the way. We don't don't think there's going to be any consequences to my way. My way is just going to be wonderful because it's my way. And we don't ever entertain the possibility that my way may end up in death. If you got an issue with that, the wisest man in the world said that, Solomon. All right, now he said it once. Cindy, would you stand up and read it's Proverbs 16, 25? He repeated himself. He said, I'm not just telling you once. I'm telling you twice. There is a way that seems right. And you can be thoroughly convinced it's right. You can be absolutely certain that it's right. You can be thoroughly sure that this is going to end up in peace and joy and kindness and the end be death. Just because I've got a way doesn't mean it's going to produce in life. Is it possible? Is it possible that the perspective I have of God is not accurate? Is it possible? Is it possible that the perspective of God I have, I got from my parents and not from God? Is it possible that the perspective that I have of God, I got from the church? Lord, help us all. What do you believe about God? I don't know. Let me check, see what our church says. Is it possible that the perspective we have about God, we got from our friends? Is it possible, this is so critical, is it possible that the perspective I have of God is the perspective I created as I interpreted certain events in my life? Yeah. I never met an atheist that was an honest atheist. Every atheist I ever met had the perspective of no God that he had because he interpreted some event in his life, and he said, if that happened, God isn't this. If that happened, God doesn't exist. If that happened, God doesn't care. If that happened, and we interpret events in our life, and we draw conclusions about what God is like and who God is based on our interpretation of our events. Is it possible at all that our perspective about God is off? 
Wouldn't that be awesome if we knew God because God told us who he was? That'll bring life to your soul. That'll bring joy to your soul. Now, is it possible that the perspective I have of myself is off? That maybe I got it from my parents who have told me from day one, you're just stupid. I know of one man who constantly told one of his daughters, called her camel face. Think that shaped her life? I was watching my brother. I was talking to my brother this week. I had a couple of a couple of days with him, and he said he had seen a, an interview with Matthew McConaughey. Most of us know who he is. He's an actor, and uh, he was kind of telling about his life. He says, "When I was a little boy, every day that I got out of bed and walked into the kitchen, there was a picture of me on the counter as a little boy." And every day, my mother would say, look at there. There's the man of Texas. And he'd been in some little competition as a kid. And there's the picture, the man of Texas. And every day, he'd get up and walk in there, and he'd look at that picture, and his mother would say, yep, there's the man of Texas right there. He said, I grew up with that. He said, I got older, and I found that picture. And sure enough, it said, man of Texas. Runner up. And he said, I wonder what my life would have been like if all my life I'd have known I was just the runner up. Is it possible that the perspective we have of ourselves may be askew, even though it came from our parents? Because I want to tell you something, folks parents don't parent from their strength, they parent from their weakness. We all do. Someone said, a kid that's constantly criticized by their parent will not come to hate the parent. They will come to hate themselves. Could it be the perspective I have of myself is not one that God holds? That's why it's so hard for us to get our mind around, you are a new creation. Are you kidding me? Nothing new about this. God's perspective, what God says about it. Is it possible that we have our perspective because of our peers? Peers can be ruthless. Peers can be bullies and critical and judgmental. But it's so important to us as children to have our peers' approval if they say something must be true, must be right, and we live with that much of our life. Our siblings Boy, brothers and sisters can be vicious. I'm not going to tell you what we used to say to Dean. Teachers. Teachers can make some bad decisions in comparing children to one another instead of seeing God's value in one. Our culture can give us a perspective. You are nothing if you don't have these shoes. You are worthless if you don't drink this drink. And all of those things formulate what we think about ourselves. Is it possible that our perspective of ourselves could be just a little off and God has a different perspective altogether? Is it possible that the perspective I have of my circumstances 
past, present, and future could be off. Could it be that I've interpreted the circumstance incorrectly? Could it be that I've looked at the past and I've said, oh, man, that shaped my life forever? Could it be that my perspective of my circumstance is off because I have not received it from the Father? I received it from the situation. Is it possible that these perspectives can shape who he is, who I am, and how I've lived my life, how I behave today? Receiving his perspective aligns my life with his life, resulting in life itself, joy, peace, and security. I want you to look with me in Isaiah chapter 5. I want all of us to turn there. Isaiah chapter 55. Sometime when you get time to go back and look at the whole context of this chapter, But we're going to start Isaiah 55, verse 6. He says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord. And he will give compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. He just included one of the things that makes us reluctant to go to God. Oh, my past. I've messed up so much in my past. What did he say about that? He will have compassion on him, and he will abundantly pardon. See how our perspective already? I'm going to get found out. Listen, honey, you already found out. God already knows everything you've done, and he's already forgiven everything you've done, everything you're doing, and everything you're going to do. But if your perspective is, God's got a list. Yeah, and you know what? When I get to heaven, he's going to play. I wonder if it's going to be a a, a reel-to-reel, a VHR, a VHS, a CD, a thumb drive. What's he going to play? He's going to play our entire life for the whole world to see. Whoop, I want to go. I don't think so. Where do we get all these weird ideas? God's forgiven us of everything we've ever done, everything we're doing and everything we're going to do. For my thoughts, he says in verse 8, my thoughts are not your thoughts. I've been meditating on this all week, and I've tried my best to get God to see it differently. Surely I have some thoughts that are yours, God. Nope. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Nor are my ways, no, excuse me, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So will my word, my perspective, my presence, so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the manner for which I sent it. 
He says there's a principle here, sowing and reaping. My perspective is going to bear fruit. right. My perspective is going to bear fruit. It may be the fruit of anxiety. It may be the fruit of fear. It may be the fruit of anxiousness. It may be the fruit of worry. But all that does is tells me what I planted. I don't plant God's word and get worry. I don't plant God's word and get fear. Everything we do is planting something that will bring about a result. And he says, my word, just like that, will accomplish what it's sent out to accomplish. If his perspective and his word comes to me to bring peace, and I receive it and assimilate it, it will produce peace. Just because a farmer goes to the feed store and buys a bag of corn does not mean he's going to have a corn crop. He has to allow that corn to assimilate into the ground, die, water it, care for it, and spring forth fruit. God's perspective, God's word will not automatically, just because we remember it, bring forth the fruit of life. As I receive it and assimilate it, chew on it, make it part of my life, then it will produce the fruit of the Spirit. That's why it's called fruit of the Spirit. It means perspective has been planted that produced this fruit. What perspective? God's perspective. What perspective have I planted that's produced joy? What perspective have I planted that's produced confidence? Well, if I planted God's perspective, those are the fruits that will come about. Now look what he says. For those of you who will receive that, for you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth into shouts of joy before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush, the cypress will come up. Instead of the nettle, the myrtle will come up. And it will be a memorial to the Lord for an everlasting sign which will not be cut off. is that awesome? My word's going to produce this. Your word's going to produce this. What do you receive? What do you accept? What do you allow to assimilate? To rely on my thoughts and my ways no matter how intellectually astute they are or how clever they are, will always produce death. It's here I learn a new way to deal with life. Now, some of us really struggle with embracing a new way to deal with life because it's the unknown. I don't know what that's going to look like. I'm so familiar with the wreck my life is, I think I'm going to stick the wreck. I'm comfortable with it. I've gotten used to it. God has a new perspective. It's a life of victory and not victimhood. 
where I'm a victim of every circumstance in every situation, a victim of my thought, a victim of my emotions, a victim of this person, a victim of that person, a victim of this situation, a vic- rather than being a victor because I've embraced God's perspective and allowed his perspective to be worked out in my life. I assimilate his perspective by choosing to act on his perspective other than the old one. I get all these thoughts. Oh, my, here's this coming, that's going to come, and this is going to happen, and that's going to work. This is going to work. It's not assimilated yet. You know how to start assimilating it? No. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This is what God says about this perspective, and I'm going to embrace that and assimilate that and chew on that and allow it to become nourishment and strength and joy to my soul. Not just picking a verse. Every one of us have tried to do that. Every one of us have gone, well, what verse do you have for grief? Well, I've got that verse for grief. What verse do you have for loss? Well, I've got that verse for loss. Good luck. It's just going to be your memory, your willpower, your strength. Now, that verse, you may have allowed the Lord to assimilate it into your life, and it brings joy, and it brings peace, and you don't have to work it up. You just are reminded of God's faithfulness and God's goodness. It's here I learn a new life. It's here I assimilate the perspective by choosing to act on his perspective rather than our old one. Even when our flesh is screaming and crying out to be obeyed, I choose his perspective. Well, I feel like such a hypocrite. I feel like I'm not being true to myself. What the heck does that mean? Just not being true to myself. That's like saying I'm going to find myself. If I come back while I've gone, hold on to me till I get back. Even when flesh is screaming and crying out to be obeyed, I choose his perspective. Even when the flesh is demanding immediate gratification. Now, and that's what you'll find. Flesh, now, now. I want it to stop now. I want them to quit now. I want it to happen now. One of the greatest signs of maturity for a Christian is learning to embrace delayed gratification. Corn won't grow tomorrow. You can't go out and plant seed today and pick corn tomorrow. It's going to take a while. Flesh wants gratification right now, wants to be satisfied now. This is how I know that it's being assimilated. Listen. So much of the pain, stress, anxiety, and suffering we experience in our life. I'm going to read this again. So much of the pain, stress, anxiety, and suffering we experience in life is self-inflicted. We think it's everybody else's fault. We think it's the yin-yang of the universe. The karma ain't come around yet, the whatever. We think it's everybody else's fault. I'm telling you, most of the pain and suffering and grief and anxiety we experience is self-inflicted because we cling so stubbornly 
to our perspective rather than God's perspective. And we reap death instead of life. I want to tell you something. There is nothing more delightful than receiving God's perspective. Nothing. Nothing. It brings such joy. It brings such peace. And I'm telling you, you'll leave that time with him when you receive when you receive his perspective, you'll leave that time with him, and nothing about the circumstance or the person has changed, but your perspective has changed. And that brings life and joy to your heart. I've aligned myself with him. Starts with chewing on God's word, which is God's perspective, in order to receive nourishment and strength. Does his word bring nourishment or knowledge to you? One produces life. One produces death. I can be be biblically sound and spiritually dead if God's word is just knowledge. Quite often we have trouble hearing God and seeing his perspective about a certain issue because God doesn't want to talk about that issue right now. He wants to talk about this issue. And I'm going, no, I want to talk about this. God says, that ain't even the issue. This is the issue. So there must be a willingness in my heart when I go into his presence to say, Lord, I don't care what your perspective is. I don't care where you want to talk. I don't care what you want to reveal to me. I want to see it. Sometimes God says, I want to talk about perspective, about forgiveness. When I say, no, I'd like to talk about holding this grudge and what they did to me that made me hold this grudge. I'd like to talk about that Christ paid the price for that. Well, later, right now we want to talk about this. Talk about love. God says, I want you to love them. No, I'd rather resent them. I'd rather hold them out here. Nope, get away from me. I'd rather compromise. Can't we work a compromise, God? Then obey. And in order to embrace his perspective, I must choose to be willing to receive whatever perspective he has about whatever issue he wants to talk to me about. Receive, receive, receive from the Lord. Start with receiving his perspective. Start with, uh, start with receiving his presence. He's here. Even when you don't feel it, even when you've got a thousand things screaming at you, receive the perspective that he is here. Start with receiving his perspective. You're good. Father, we're a mess. That's probably not a biblical word, but it sure fits. And it is a mess of our own creating. We have ignored you. We have strengthened ourselves. And when that failed, we doubled our effort. And we always reaped death. We've tried our best to get you to do something that we think you should do instead of receiving you and your presence. We've had our own perspectives. We've 
God, to get you to see things our way. And yet your thoughts, are my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. Father, help me get my heart around that. Help me get my heart around the reality that I don't have a way till you give it to me. I don't have a thought. I'm not going to embrace a thought. I might have a thousand of them, but I'm not going to embrace one until I get yours, and I'm going to embrace that. We would talk less. We would be less critical. We'd be less stressed out. So, Father, teach us just to welcome your presence and to welcome your perspective about whatever you show us. Praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right? Something to work on this week.